Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. Okay, next question. My wife uh, and I are separated now for almost two years. We have spent some time together, and I think I'm finally getting it. As long as I can hear my wife and listen without getting defensive, but to validate her feelings. Early this morning, she sent me a text saying she was having dreams of my acting out again and acting out partners. She said she was crying and was tired of it. What can I do for her? I sent her a message that I understand her frustration and tried to validate her feelings. Well, if I were listening to that, I would say, how do I feel that this person I love is feeling overwhelmed, crying, and reminded of all of that? And I would probably tell her, you know, I understand it's one thing to say, I understand your frustration, but I would actually say how it makes you feel. I feel really sad to see you still struggling with this. And I just so wish that you don't have to say, this isn't an I'm sorry. This is, I just so wish that like you, that, that you will be able to find your way through this grief. Cause I care, even though I did this, I deeply care about you. In other words, you know, to me, I think, yes, validating someone's frustration is one step and it's an important step. But the other part is to say how you feel about what you're seeing and, and how that may, you know, really giving her a sense of that. So, and the rest is there's nothing else you can do for her. You're the person who caused the pain. You're the person who hurt. And I wouldn't try to go back in there with any big rescue or flowers or moonbeams because that's not going to help. We all have to work through our own stuff at a certain point. And, and, you know, I, I wish I could undo, <laughs> I can't tell you how many things I've said and done that I wish I could undo both for myself and other people, but you can't undo this. And so she's going to have to do, go through her own process. And the best you can do is say, I'm so, so sorry that you're dealing with that. And it makes me sad. And I wish that you weren't, we weren't. I love that. If uh, this is an invitation for her, if she has not already joined the betrayed partner groups, I would invite her to join those. I think she would find that to be a safe support for her too. So the next question. So when my husband porn addict treats me like dirt while seeking out images of other women, is he idolizing strangers he never met over me? That's a good question. Well, Tammy, I think you should start with that one. Well, I'm no, I, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I'm thinking he is idolizing because they're just images and they're not real. And, you know, they haven't confronted him. They haven't, you know, I, I, I use the Charlie Brown, wah, 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 you know, like that's, I think mm. how often how addicts feel is that whatever we're saying, it's nagging, et cetera, versus, you know, I, I'm bringing this to you because it's a concern in our relationship. But I mean, porn is all about escaping and, you know, zillions of images really fast and, you know, it's not real. So it's, it's easy to go look at that and, and zone out, not even be, you know, I mean, just be completely disconnected. So I don't even know if it goes to idolizing or if it's just, I'm zoning out. So what are your thoughts? I'm just thinking, why are you asking this question? Because it's sort of like a, uh, that's a good way of saying it. Um, when, you know, my husband's been hitting me for weeks and I don't like the fact that he's looking at porn. I mean, why do you care about him? Why, do, why is this question important? I'm worried about it. you're treating me like dirt. 
Like, not only is this person abusing with the porn, but I'm sure treating you like dirt is not a nice thing, regardless of the porn. And I hear again, you're kind of are thinking about semantics, which is sort of, well, is he idealizing this or is it this and that? And I'm like, he's treating you like shit. Focus on the fact that you deserve more. And I think addicts are really good at distracting you with, well, I wouldn't call it that. And you're really looking at it like this. And, you know, we want to get you in your heads and thinking about things and words and ideas rather than keeping you here, because if you're here, you're going to be furious at us. So we throw all kinds of things at you to, to get you spinning. And then you come to people like me and you say, well, is it this? Is it that? I'm like, wait a minute, but he's treating you like dirt. Let's just start there. So Tammy, anything else? Well, you, you mentioned anything else about that? No, I, we should... that really is, that's a very good point. And that's really the point. So, okay. What's your take on sober dating and being led by one's community? Oh, I think that's where it's at. Um, by the way, there's a site called deeperdating.com that a friend of mine, a colleague of mine runs, and it's for sober people who are trying to have healthy uh, boundaries and grow and have good relationships. And it is a dating site. It, I don't advertise and market for people, but I think what he's doing there is important. It's called deeperdating.com. But anyway, in answer to your question, how else would you do it? I think I would absolutely take on sober dating. And I don't know what you mean by being led by your community, but to me, what it would mean is there's a group of people who get me. They know my stuff. They know when I pick the wrong people, they know the ones I picked and they're going to lead me. Meaning when I go out on a date, meet someone, I'm going to go back to them and say, do you want to lead me forward or back? And they may say, don't see that person again, or they may say, keep moving. So I'm using that community to reflect back to me information that, you know, for those of us who get into dating and start idealizing people and having sex with them too soon and all that stuff, we need guides. And many of you heard me say this before that, you know, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, when I was first entering this work as a recovering person, I didn't let, I didn't make choices about sex or dating on my own. I would call the person I'm working with and said, can I be sexual with this person? We've been going out for this long. And he would say no or yes. So it wasn't up to me because, you know, I think Tammy would say that if she had it to her making her own decisions over the years, she'd still be drinking. She had to go to people who said, no, nah, maybe you should go for a walk or why don't we go to a meeting or, you know, and people who had more sanity than she did in the moment. And so I love the fact that you're going to lean into this community to help you make good decisions that maybe you're not so good at making on your own. And that's how we learn. I mean, you know, we, we start, we start being at some point you kind of go, I suspect what my posse is going to tell me is this, you know, because we start integrating that into ourselves as well. So, but it's still always good to get checked in. So, okay. Next question. Um, hi, I was in a relationship with a guy, but he said he wants to try anal sex with me and wanted me to penetrate him too. As a typical woman, I feel like I don't no, maybe if he's gay, what do you think? Nowadays, he's discarded me and says that he likes me, but I'm too childish and judgmental. I think that's a really, I think that's a t typical question. If somebody is looking for those kind of uh, sexual acts, are they, you know, would they be gay? So what are your thoughts? So, well, I think the part about nowadays he discarded me and said he likes me, but I'm too child. I think we have to throw that part out because that yeah. doesn't really relate to the first part. And I think the question much more is about what does anal sex mean? And so, ladies, I'm so, so sorry for you. Truly, I am. Because if a man asks to have anal sex with you, it's, it's really not. You might find it sensually arousing as a part of it, but it doesn't feel that good. But men have this thing called a prostate. 
And it's like our clitoris. I mean, to some point, that is where we experience a huge amount of pleasure. But most men want to don't want to admit or don't have not figured out that they have this thing, um, which uh, which if it is stimulated by putting something in there, um, it will be sort of like getting something at both ends, if you will. So men, many men who are who are comfortable with their bodies might want some kind of penetration or have something there because it's very, very physically exciting. Um, it doesn't, however, mean you are anything. Um, it means that you, someone who figured out that you have a prostate and if you stimulate it, it feels really good. But just because you want to enjoy that doesn't mean that you are oriented toward a man or a woman. So, you know, my question might just feed, that's a little bit of just education. But um, if I was a woman and a man asked to penetrate me, I would really be thinking twice because it's not comfortable. It's, it doesn't feel good. It won't pleasure you. And is, you know, if it's anyway, I think that's up to you and what it means to you. I just don't want you to get hurt. Um, I think if a man wants to be penetrated, we're looking for something extra that you might just be able to provide. Um, and we'd love to do that with you. So, um, and by the way, I love, and Tammy might feel differently. I'm not going to ask you, but I love it when people play games. You know, you're with your intimate partner and you decide, well, I want to do this or I want to do this or let's do this. I mean, good for you. You know, have a good time. Lord knows, especially for recovering people. I think adventure and fun in our bedroom with our partner, have a good time as long as you're both agree to this. And, you know, this is sort of a, I'm not sure if this is okay with me. What does it mean? You're asking the right questions, but having fun, you know, if you're going to be together and have sex with no one else, you must have fun. Um, so there's that. Okay. Next question. Wait, wait, I, Tammy. Okay. Oh, go ahead. Did that answer questions that you might've had about that? No, I, I think it was, I, I've had a number of people talk specifically about, you know, what does this mean? So I think that was a very helpful uh, uh, explanation of it means this, not that, et cetera. So you, you can't but, just by one act decide somebody's, you know, orientation, et cetera. So, and yeah. yeah and, and it has, I know men who want like to wear panties and have sex with their wives, you know, and all the wives say is stop taking my panties and go get your own, you know, but it doesn't mean, mm -hmm. this doesn't mean anything about their, their sexual orientation. It means that there's something they enjoy for sex. Um, Sexual orientation is about who turns me on. Is it a man or is it a woman? How I play during sex doesn't say anything about my orientation. Okay, so next question. My essay husband kept lying and covering the truth for 15 months of couples therapy and individual therapy before he lost his job and finally gave me full disclosure with polygraph. It's been 10 months since he's been sober. I struggle with feeling that everything before 10 months is a lie. He thinks differently and tells me he did love me and his memories of our life are happy. He doesn't see it as a total lie. Can you help me understand how the addict can possibly feel that our life was real when to me it was clearly all a lie because I I never agreed to the life he was creating. This is so common. So, I mean, like, like that's the, that's grieving the loss of what you thought you had. I'm so sorry. Go ahead. Well, um, I think this is, um, I think it sort of goes along with the question, like, if you love me, how could you do this? You know, either you love me or you did this, but if you did this, you couldn't really love me. It's sort of the same kind of question. And the reality is that um, all of us share so many things in our relationships and the longer they go on, 
uh, the more there are. Um, there's more history, there's more other relationships, there's more uh, home and sense of home. Some people have children, you know, there's church and jobs and so, you know, and family and holidays and, you know, memories. And so, you know, our wives, our lives get pretty intertwined over the years. And it's not unusual for me to work with a couple that's been together for three or four years. And this kind of stuff comes up and they say, you know, we can't do this. Or our spouse will say, I'm out of here mostly because there isn't enough time built up of togetherness and connection. And they can see where this problem is going to head them and they don't want to stay. But it's very typical. And I'd say, Tammy, you know, what I think our numbers like 80%, 80% of the people go through our treatment programs. And I just know these numbers. That's why I'm saying that um, they stay in their relationship because there is so much more there. And, you know, it's like uh, you're grieving, as Tammy said. I think grieving, there's an innocence when you love someone and you believe they'll always have your back and they'll never do anything to hurt you out there. And, you know, and when you realize that they can and they haven't um, it's devastating, but I think that, you know, it depends on what you want really as a partner, you know, trust, you have no trust now and you don't trust yourself because you're thinking, well, did I not know? Should I have known? What didn't I see? And you don't trust him because you're like, well, he was lying to me before. So why isn't he lying to me when he says he loves me, you know? And so all this stuff is kind of mixed up together. I would say if you had a meaningful relationship where you shared a lot of really good things before this happened, then there is still a meaningful relationship where you shared a lot of good things that happened underneath that. And, you know, I, I have feelings about, I wrote a book about this called pro dependence. You know, I think couples can move beyond this kind of pain. I think they can work together, but they both have to be willing. And it's a lot of work and it will never be the way it was. It might be stronger, but it won't be the way it was. And so, you know, I, I do think, though, that there are things that you shared. I think right now he would be he would be all too willing to focus on that. And you would be more in a place of none of that happened. And eventually, as some of your anger goes down, I hope, and, and you start to see change in your partner, some of it will be more gray and not so black and white yeah that that's what I, I, I was thinking the black and white of it's all or nothing and and it's not it's the in-between but it is parsing out what's you know what feels real and true to you as well but grieving you know is is really part of it okay next question what kind of things activities can i do with my wife to work on relationship other than marriage couples therapy can you give me some suggestions this person does not indicate how long it's been since discovery etc so maybe give a little bit of like in the early stage possibly let's well, a little bit of if this that i mean if you if thank you i'm sorry to interrupt if you're in the first six weeks after you just got found out i don't think there's a lot of stuff you can be doing except you know, do you want me to take the kids to school? And should I be picking something up at the store? And, you know, that's all about you're going to be doing together in the beginning, or I hate you. I'm so sorry. Um, you know, at a, so once you're moving toward being together, which I think if you're both working on it can take eight months or a year when you're more uh, not in the immediate early stages, then I think, you know, I don't know about you, but I go, I like going for walks. I like going bike riding. Like, why does it all, why does the work have to be work? You know, I had a birthday a couple of weeks ago and, you know, I wasn't, I'm, I can't have people over. I wasn't having a big party. We weren't going somewhere, travel, you know, and what was really nice about it was I realized how 
we went on walks, my husband and I, we went on bike rides. We had a few meals out for the first time. It was like, oh, and I had such a wonderful birthday because I realized I didn't, how, how simple things could be so wonderful for me. So in the same way, you know, I would say to you, can you do some fun and simple things that aren't related to therapy, but will give you a chance to be around each other and enjoying each other without dealing with this all the time? But that's not going to happen in the first six months. <laughs> Probably not. And it, it came to mind, somebody uh, shared a, a couple's three circle, you know, what's in you know, so we talked a little bit ago about what's in the addict's three circle, but there was also a couple's three circle. So, so what's going to be the healthy things for the two of you as a couple, um, as far as marriage and couples therapy, um, you know, early on, if it's just supportive, but, um, until you've got a foundation of recovery, it's it, our experiences that it's not so effective. I, um, I had a cup, uh, a guy call me not too long ago and he was all focused on, you know, she's discovered it and how can I help her? And I was like, the most you can do to help her is work on you. You know, if you focus on her, you're just shifting the focus again from having to work on you. So, so the more that you're doing for you to show her that you are actually changing. Cause I say all the time, if lips are moving lies, but you know, it's your actions that, you know, what are you doing to, to, you to show her that you are becoming a, a person of integrity. So, okay. And, and by the way, to you, to what you just said, Tammy, um, what does helping her mean? Does it mean helping her be less mad at me? <laughs> does it mean helping her be less upset? Does it mean helping her feel better about you can't do any of that stuff because she's too pissed. So helping her is probably means leaving her alone, letting her go through her grief, acknowledging that you caused it and there's nothing you can do to make it better, but you're here if she needs you. And that's about it. So there's nothing making her anything feeling better kind of stuff. She may not need to feel better. She may need to be miserable because of what's happened. And that's okay. It's called grief. Yeah. We have time no for just a couple more. Uh, we do. We have a few. So I'm noticing that my identity was to a certain degree tied up in a certain friendship love addiction with a man who I've known for over 10 years. Since our friendship ended, or maybe he's taking a long break and didn't tell me, I feel kind of lost and it's hard to make big life choices. Does this identity crisis sound odd or kind of usual for a long-term love addict? Well, I, I, I mean, there are different ways to answer this question. You know, on the one hand, uh, I think if I was involved with someone for 10 years as a friend, as a family member, as an occasional lover, as a just forget what you want to call it, I would have feelings for them. And, as, and it sounds like, I don't know you, Tammy, but this isn't just like a hookup. These people talked and it sounds like they had a friendship, you know, whatever. So there were, there were meaningful things exchanged for you. You got support, you got information, you helped make decisions. You know, you had a partnership of some kind. And I think it's perfectly normal, healthy, no matter how that ended, whether they just petered out or, or what, how it ended, that to have that feeling of, oh, I miss that person to turn to. And, oh, I miss having that, the good parts of the relationship that were good. I think that that's very healthy and normal, even if someone's really hurt us, to still think, oh, but there was this good time and that time. And when I'm lonely, who do I turn to? All of that stuff. But um, Tammy, I think there's something else in there that maybe you wanted to speak to, because I know you have some thoughts too. Well, I did. I, the thing I thought of is even as I'm not a love addict, but like if somebody just like disappeared and, you know, 
he's taking a long break and didn't tell me to me. That's like, I, I, he ghosted you. So, um, you know, like to not have closure on it, like for me, I, I work to live in integrity. If I'm closing the door on a relationship or taking a long break, you know, I need some space and here's why I need to go work on myself or whatever, or, you know, but I wouldn't just, I would hope I would not just, you know, disappear. Um, uh, that, that would, not feel good to me regardless of you know being a love addict or not that just is part of the human race to me and i would add too that um yeah just to what your point is tammy like what do you mean he's taking a long break like what you mean is he's broken up and, and he wants a friendship so this man wants to have his cake and eat it too he doesn't want to feel badly about backing away from you and throwing you away so he'll say it's a friendship or a break but you you know what just happened this man dumped you for all intents and purposes. And so I'd be focusing more on, and I thought about this as the other half, how do I choose partners? Um, was this the right relationship for me to spend this time in focus? Did I want to be married or committed in a different way over 10 years? Am I now too old to have children? You know, or whatever. The, I mean, I'd be more thinking about what have I given up? Was this the right choice? And when I, from the love addict perspective, I wouldn't want to be dating again until I was much clearer on what a commitment was so that I wouldn't get hurt like this. Um, and my thought about you is if you, you know, do you live in a community property state? Have you lived with this man? Is if you basically been married to him? You know, these are the kinds of things I'd be thinking about. Um, what else have we got, Tammy? Next question is my husband growing up with early childhood neglect and emotional incest under highly critical and controlling mom with BPD, borderline personality disorder traits. And my husband has been physically sexually acting out with the same hooker on business trips from 2007 to 2020 for 14 years and adding additional emotional acting out sexting um, text app in the last couple of years. Is this love addiction or sex addiction? Is there recovery hope for us? We have been together for 30 years and married for 28 before November of last year. I was so proud of the fact that we had such that we had each other and the only um, mutual faithful sexual partner, a deep heartbreak for me with significant sadness, understandably. So. Hey, Tammy, I'd ask you to, I'm going to take the first part of this. Part, okay. And if you wouldn't mind taking the second part, like, you know, the part about is there recovery for us and we've been lost. I'd love sure. you to speak to that. But um, what I want to question this person of is, is, my husband grew up with this and he was emotional and his mother was that, and he was abused. Who cares? What does that have to do with what's happened to you? That's his problem. And if he has problems and issues and emotional problems, listen, I had to go to therapy, but that did justify my saying, well, I have to see prostitutes and I have to, that was the, that was the reason why it happened. The, because one led to the other, but as an adult making choices, I can say, well, I'm not going to do that even though I want to. And so, and by the way, this isn't one person. I mean, this isn't a bunch of people all over the place. This man's had an emotional affair with this other woman for 13 years. Um, sounds like she could be another wife or another partner. So I, I just, when I hear stories like this, I think, boy, is this woman or man way too wrapped up in how their partner got there and feeling like, oh, poor dear, this happened and that happened to them. Listen, if they're in a rubber room and they can't talk to anyone and they can't, and they're yelling obscenities and they think that they came, that they can hear Jesus, I would really feel bad about them. But if they were abused in childhood and they're turning around and abusing you, 
um, and cheating on you and hurting you and lying to you for years and years and years, I don't think empathy and compassion for their childhood would be the first thing I would come up with. And so I'm more concerned that you are not protect more protective of yourself. Like, I don't ever want to talk to this person again or whatever that is for you. Um, Tammy, do you want to talk about the second part? Cause yeah, the, the, well, the heartbreak is, is real, but regardless of whether it's a love addiction or sex addiction is healing possible. Yes. Is it going to take some time? Absolutely. Do we have a treatment program for men like this? Yes, we do. Um, but I, to Dr. Rob's point, getting support for you, all of the uh, things that I mentioned early on and sexandrelationshiphealing.com, you know, there's an old lady posse tomorrow morning. They named it, you know, but it's to support each other. It's a women of a certain age. You've been married 30 years. You know, you may feel like you qualify, but there's meetings again on Wednesday and Thursday as well. Getting him professional help I mean, they, they, there are assessment tools that a qualified CSAT trained therapist, you know, can administer to him to help him identify what exactly is going on and help him, you know, get uh, help, but you getting support for you uh, to find that anger, to, to deal with that grief, to deal with the trauma, like, you know, here you are, you said, I was so proud of the fact that we have each other and that whole thing, you know, wasn't true. You know, you had each other, but he had somebody else as well. So, so I hope that you lean into getting help for you. I hope he gets qualified help. I mean, like do addicts heal? Absolutely. You know, I see it every day. We get stories of every day, but you know, it's going to take a lot of work. So, and I just, I really have empathy for the fact when this person says, I was so proud of the fact that we had each other as the only mutual. I've been married 20 years. I'm very proud of being married for 20 years. It means something to be, to have been married that long. It means a lot to me that we have an honest relationship. And so, and I know people look at us like, how'd you do that for 20 years? How'd you get through COVID and not kill each other? You know? So I understand that you, when you have a belief that you have a meaningful, profound relationship and you find out that it just wasn't what you thought. And you went around to friends saying, we've been married 20 years, you know, and there were parties and, you know, all of a sudden you look at it and say, wait, what was I even proud of? I think that that's just a really, I think that is a, a blow, you know, not only to your belief about yourself or him or, but this thing we had that we looked at as being precious. I don't even know what that was anymore. And that's very, very painful. Email me, Tammy, T-A-M-I at seekingintegrity.com for some support and resources. So, and, and we have me, so many more questions. I wish we let could me, get to them all, but go ahead. Let me just add that I do have a podcast, if Tammy didn't mention, it's called Sex, Love, and Addiction. Um, we have about 600 and somehow thousand downloads, so a lot of people seem to be interested. It doesn't cost anything, but I've heard a lot of addicts say, you know, I listened to that thing, and darn, I wanted to stop off and act out, but I'm listening to you talk about this. And I've also heard a lot of partners say, I didn't understand how we'd ever work through betrayal or what intimacy even was for us. And I have a lot of people talking to me who are real professionals about that. So check out Sex, Love, and Addiction. It probably will be helpful. Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.